Thanks for tuning in to My Weight Live, the podcast where we talk to medical experts about the latest research and how you can apply it to reaching your best weight. If you'd like to learn more, visit us at myweightwhattoknow.com or search My Weight What to Know on Facebook. We're always posting new articles, videos, and tools that make living a healthy life easier. Hi, everyone. Tonight, we are talking with patient ambassador Patty Neese and medical expert Dr. Ken Fujioka. First and foremost, a big thank you to both of you for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. I am very happy to be here as a Novo Nordisk patient ambassador. Thank you very much. Patty, I like to start off by having you talk about your journey with weight and specifically something you said recently, which was, I haven't failed with dieting, the diets have failed me. Tell us a little bit about what you mean by that. If you name a diet, I've probably tried it. Except the cabbage soup diet, I don't like cabbage. And with all of them, I would lose some weight. And then I would stop losing. And even when I stayed on the diet, I would can, I would start regaining a lot of times. And I usually ended up at a higher weight than when I started. And I thought that was all my fault for a very long time, for decades. And it wasn't until I started learning more about obesity that I realized that I wasn't totally in control of everything regarding my weight. So they weren't the right treatments for me. They may be for some people, but they weren't for me. Dr. Fujioka, what does the science tell us about why that happens to so many people? To kind of use Patty's language, what is it about diets and diet culture that fail us? I guess in, in a word word term, it's biology. What it is is human beings are wired to eat 24-7. So in other words, we're always turned on to eat. When we eat a meal, we'll then release hormones that tell us to stop eating. But where it gets difficult is a thing we call metabolic adaptation. As you're eating a meal, you release hormones that tell you to stop eating. But unfortunately, if you lose weight, let's say somebody weighs 200 pounds and they want to weigh 150, but they get down to 180, they'll then lower those hormones to tell them to stop eating because the hypothalamus, the brain, is trying to drive the weight back up to that highest weight. And it turns out that set point is forever. In other words, for the rest of a patient's life, their body will always want to go to that highest weight. So as was just said, you're doing a diet, you're doing everything right, and all of a sudden you stop losing weight despite doing everything really correctly and you're now stuck at a weight. Reason being is that the hormones that are supposed to tell you you're full, the hormones that are supposed to increase your metabolic rate are now gone. They're not working appropriately. And again, the tough part is that is forever. So, Patty, what was the moment where you realized, you know, this isn't about me. This is this is about a cycle and that's bigger than me. Talk us through that moment where things kind of changed for you in your mindset about dieting and weight. My mindset didn't change for a very, very long time. Uh, you know, we're told it's all our fault. That's the constant drumbeat from media, from friends, from family members, even from medical professionals, and you take that on board and you think, I should be able to do this by myself. And I don't think it was until I was in a treatment that was working for me that I and learned more about obesity that I actually was willing to admit that there was something else going on here, that it wasn't just about everything I did. Um, and I think I always knew it, but I wasn't willing to admit it to myself. 
Patty, there's a commonly held belief in our society that weight loss is as simple as eating less and moving more, and that people with obesity just need more, and I'm going to use quotes, willpower. And that's pretty much weight bias in action. You have a different take, though. You say that people living with obesity have more willpower than others. Tell us what you mean by that. Well, let me give you an example that's outside the weight context. Let's say you've just purchased your dream computer, and you have to get to the second story of the mall, the second level, to pick it up. So you're anxious, you go to the mall, and you say, I'll walk up the steps to get to that computer store. At the top of the steps, you run into a brick wall. You say, well, this isn't going to work, but I really want that computer. So let me go try the escalator. So you go back down the stairs, you find an escalator. Guess what's at the top of that? Another brick wall that you can't pound through. And you think, I can outsmart this. I'm going to go to the other end of the mall and get on an elevator. And I'm going to take that elevator to the second floor. And I get off there, and what do I run into? A brick wall. You know, you haven't got your computer yet, but it's not for a lack of willpower. It's because you're running into barriers. And it's helpful to address those barriers. If it were only willpower involved with losing weight, let me tell you, we would not have obesity in this country or perhaps around the world. You know, it takes a lot of willpower to do diet after diet after diet and getting the same results. But you step up to the plate again and try it again, even though you're not successful long term. Patty, you just gave us this wonderful metaphor of trying to get to that computer store and running into brick wall after brick wall. What was the moment when you recognized, I am working really hard? There has to be more to this that is beyond my control. In my own case, I actually gave up trying to punch through that brick wall. I gave up and I isolated. And from, I don't go to places that were safe, that I knew no one would make fun of me at. You know, the isolation drove me into less self-esteem, lowered self-esteem, and also, frankly, eating more. And it wasn't, you know, I gave up for probably two years. And it wasn't until, it, and I decided that I was tired of living my life that way, that I sought additional help. And I found an obesity medicine specialist who was phenomenal. It was just phenomenal. And that's when I learned that it wasn't all me and that we could work together to break through those walls. Oh, that's fantastic. All right, I have, I have lots more questions for you about that relationship with the healthcare professional and 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 really kind of what you've been able to, to learn and grow from with that. Dr. Fujioka, we know that a lot of people who struggle with their weight feel like their weight is their fault. Help us reframe that. Given the role of genetics and environment, what do we actually have control over? This is a tough one because you can control diet so much. What you can't control is your metabolism, which remember when you lose weight and the body's now defending weight or trying to drive the weight back up, it'll drop the metabolism by anywhere from 300 to 700 to 1,000 calories per day. So just all of a sudden, you're stuck with these extra calories. Now you're going to need some help from the outside. 
as Patty said, there are obesity medicine specialists. So that's someone you might probably want to go to, or you might have a good primary care doc who does get it and they're going to try their best. And so it's this kind of team effort of diet, exercise, and more than likely you're looking at other options, medications, surgery. If I could add to that, you know, sometimes knowledge just helps. Um, I had lost about 40 pounds and it's exactly what Dr. Fujioka is talking about, that your body fights that weight loss. Uh, and I would wake up in the middle of the night. My stomach was growling so loudly you could hear it in the next city. It was crazy. And I went to my obesity medicine specialist. And I said, I can't keep going like this. You know, we have food available. If you have food available, you're likely going to eat when you're that hungry. And he said, we will, you know, live with it for two or three days. It will likely go away and calm down again. But he said, you've lost significant amount of weight. And that's your body's method of telling you to stop. It's telling you, you need to feed yourself. And it wasn't that I was on that restrictive a diet or anything like that. It was just the loss of the weight. And just knowing that little piece of information made a big difference because I wasn't staring at a lifetime of that. Right. Yeah. Suddenly you feel like it's not going to be like this forever. Yeah. Right. You, ha you have right. more information. Dr. Fujioka, why is it important for physicians to be kind and compassionate to their patients, no matter what the number on the scale says? So you got to remember that, and Patty again brought this up earlier, many healthcare providers were taught that it is just diet and exercise. And so unfortunately, they they think differently. They say, yeah, it is willpower. Come on, man, you can do it. And, and they're not getting it. So fast forward now, just now, I mean, literally the last just a couple of years in medical school, they're now teaching about metabolic adaptation, the hormones to control everything. It's teaching, it's educating the healthcare field is, is what it's going to take, but we're getting there. But it's, unfortunately, there are some docs that just still see it the wrong way. And unfortunately, you're going to need to recognize that. And it's anywhere from one in five, one in four doctors are going to be of this mindset. So that's my next question for you. Let's say that someone um, goes to talk to their doctor and they get the, well, you just need to eat less and move more kind of, uh, you know, uh, response. What should that person do? What should they say to their doctor? Is there an online resource that they might be able to refer the doctor to? Unfortunately, yeah. If, if you're getting that type of bias against you, you I hate to say it, you need to switch doctors. It's simple as that. So there's a site called the American Board of Obesity Medicine, ABOM, and they will list all the doctors that are, that basically have passed a very rigorous exam in obesity medicine that would be in your area. So you could be in anywhere in the U.S. Uh, also, I think believe can Canadians are starting to take this exam. There are doctors who know how to use these medications. They know the right diet, a diet that truly works. They understand about exercise and that there's this huge drop in metabolic rate. I mean, poor Patty, when she lost just 40 pounds, her metabolic rate probably dropped about 500 calories a day. 500 calories a day. You, I mean, that's like you can't eat a whole meal now. So uh, again, the doctors are out there. They get it. Just go to the, again, the American Board of Obesity Medicine, and you can find somebody who's very knowledgeable. Oh, that's a great advice. I, I love being able to direct people to a good resource. 
Dr. Fujioka, I think sometimes when we talk about why weight regain happens, kind of that metabolic adaptation you were referring to earlier, it can seem like a depressing story. But the truth is that we do have medical treatments for obesity and excess weight, medications, surgery, psychological interventions like CBT that show good results for long-term success. So talk about the treatments that are available and why there really is reason to have hope when it comes to getting treatment for reaching our best weight. Five years ago, when I used to give grand round lecture to a bunch of healthcare providers, that many of them left depressed. They said, oh my God, the set point is set at whatever the highest weight was forever? That's brutal. And so fast forward now, when I give grand rounds to a group of healthcare providers, now I can, one, tell them which hormones are involved how they will regulate. In other words, how they will go to the brain and tell the brain, okay, it's okay to stop eating. You're full. We have those hormones now available. And then there's other hormones that will probably eventually help out with your metabolic rate. The, uh, so in other words, instead of you know, when Patty lost her 40 pounds and all of a sudden she drops, her metabolic rate drops 500 calories, we'll know the hormone to give back. That will then put it back to where it's supposed to. The thing is, though, and you said this, you know, earlier, we're looking at a chronic disease. So patients and healthcare providers need to understand this is a problem that's going to go on forever. It's like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes. So you need to take these medications or if you get surgery forever. So if we accept that obesity is a chronic medical condition, as you said earlier, it would make sense that we would go to a doctor to get treatment for it. So Patty, talk a little bit about how your life has changed since you decided, like, you know, dieting have fa- diets have failed me, and you decided to seek medical attention for your weight. Once I found a provider who was knowledgeable about obesity, the world changed. He got it. His assumption wasn't like I had run into with other medical professionals that I was lazy, I was non-compliant, I lacked willpower, I didn't try to eat right, I didn't ever exercise. His assumption was the opposite, that I had tried everything I could think of to manage my weight and just wasn't successful yet. It was an aha moment for me. It was like somebody understands and believes me when I say I've done all these things. That's wonderful to hear. So you actually wrote an article about this relationship that you have with your doctor. And you said, I always feel like we're partners working together to help me improve my health. So tell us how that's different from healthcare professionals you've seen in the past. And what would you say to someone? Why is it worth it to find that right relationship? Finding a physician who understood and who could tell me about um obesity and how it functions as a disease and the things that weren't within my control and work with me to take care of the things that were within my control. Just change change the playing field for me. Totally different approach. It wasn't In the past, a lot of times, uh, medical professionals would say, here, follow this diet. I even had a dietician once who um, told me to do that, and I did it, and I came back, and I I had lost a couple pounds on it. She was so disappointed that I hadn't lost more, she didn't want to see me again. Wow. So, I mean, contrasting those two experiences is a a big difference, is a big deal, Um, but The hope that I have comes in large part from shared decision-making, from partnering with my obesity medicine specialist. 
we make decisions together. If something's not working at one point, we go back to what we call the toolbox and look at other options. Is there something we can tweak with what I'm eating? Is there medication? Is there another option? We don't give up. It's not one and done. Obesity is a chronic disease. It's lifelong. I'm going to be dealing with it for the rest of my life. And having that partnership allows for flexibility as things change, just makes a huge difference. And I become part of the decision team. It's empowering. So Dr. Fujioka, Patty has shared how finding the right medical professional made a huge difference for her. If someone listening now says, yeah, I hear that, and that's probably true for a lot of people, but I just need to you know, work harder on diet and exercise, even though I've tried and failed on that in the past, what would you say to them? What might they consider instead? It is true, though. If you had 100 people, 20, 15, 20% of them actually can do it with diet and exercise. Now, these are people that are usually not that heavy and don't and have like what I call better genetics to be thinner. Because believe me, at least half of someone's weight is genetic. And in folks who get real heavy, you're talking 70, 80% of it is. It's just, unfortunately, you're, that's the way your body's programmed. Again, 80% of patients aren't, are going to fail diet and exercise. And that group needs to start looking at other treatment options. That 80% of people will quote unquote fail or, or not get not get the results they're hoping for from diet and exercise. I kind of want to shout that stat from the rooftops because it feels like there's so many voices in our society that are saying the exact opposite. And I know, Patty, that must be so frustrating for you as a patient advocate. You know, just the dominant narrative is just not based in science. You're exactly right. And actually, there's papers published just what you said. 20%, okay, they can do a diet or exercise, 80% won't. But again, what do healthcare providers think? Just the opposite. 80% should be able to do it. Wrong. And a lot of patients think they should be able to do it on their own yeah. too. Yeah. A lot of people with obesity. And it's hard. I had that difficulty. I had that trouble of getting over the idea that I can do it on my own. Um, and there's a leap. there's a leap you have to make. There is an adjustment. To, to seek out that help. Um, but I think that help is becoming more readily available. And I, that's a good sign. Patty, we know that weight bias and stigma is such a huge problem in our society, and it's, it's really under-recognized. Talk a little bit about the bias you've experienced, both external and internal, and the impact that it's had on your physical health, as well as your emotional well-being. I've had lifelong obesity. I've had it since I was a child. I was always one of the biggest kids in the room. So I've, I've faced a lifetime of ridicule and teasing and both from, you know, peers, from the media, from um, people of authority, like a school nurse who said in front of my entire class, you're fat, you need to lose weight. When you're a kid, all you want to do is fit in, right? And you think that's going to get better as you get older, but it doesn't. You know, the, in some ways it gets worse. People of size face weight bias in employment, in education, and as in healthcare. Um, and it is a big problem. And for me, I what I did with all that bias was internalized it. I became my own worst bully. I would say horrendous things to myself about my weight. 
And despite all the other successes I've had in my life, in my career, in my family, socially, all those areas, I've always felt like a failure because of my weight and that it was all my fault. And I'm not alone. Weight bias internalization is a large problem. It comes from blame and shame. And you know what? Blame and shame doesn't help. All it does is makes you feel bad. That's it. It doesn't encourage eating better, exercising more, whatever people think it will encourage. It doesn't work. Yet somehow our society thinks it does. And that needs to change. Absolutely. Last question for both of you. Uh, Dr. Fujioka, we'll start with you. If there are people watching this show who have struggled with their weight for a long time and blame themselves, what's the one thing you'd like for them to know? What, what advice would you share? The future is really bright. It's good. Um, two things have brought this about. One, you now have specialists in this area, and they're good. Believe me, this, this test they take is not easy. The other one is we now have the knowledge, and knowledge is, is power in medicine in just about anything. In other words, we know which hormones are involved. All the pharmaceutical companies are coming up every day with copies of every single one of these. They're able to put them together so that they're going to help somebody keep their weight down. So this is a whole nother ball game. And again, I wish I was a younger man because the future looks great. Oh, that's that's very inspiring, Patty. Same question for you. What what would you what truth would you share with someone who's been struggling with their weight for a long time? It's not your fault. It is not your fault. You are worthy and you are enough. I'd encourage people to seek out support. Seek out support from your medical providers. Find medical providers who know how to treat obesity. But you can also find a community of support of people who are going through the exact same things you're going through and who get it, who understand. And one way to do that is to uh, connect with the Obesity Action Coalition. Full disclosure, I'm chair of the board of the Obesity Action Coalition, but we're a big group. We have about 75,000 members and we provide education about obesity. We fight against weight bias. We try to promote access to science-based obesity care, meaning having insurance companies cover that care for you or whoever is covering your healthcare expenses, that sort of thing. But most of all, we get it. We understand. Wow. So inspiring. A big thank you to both of you for joining us tonight. I know this is going to help a lot of people think about their weight and weight loss differently. My pleasure. Thank you. And we'd like to thank Nova Nordisk for their support of this program. Nova Nordisk is not responsible for the content of the show, nor have they influenced it in any way. Take good care and good night.